Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. Today on Catholic Baltimore, we're talking with Capuchin Father Paul Zaborowski about the beatification of Father Solanus Casey, also a Capuchin Franciscan, who is scheduled to be beatified November 18th. Father Solanus Casey was born Bernard Francis Casey, November 25, 1870, on a farm near Oak Grove, Wisconsin, along the Mississippi River. He was the sixth child in a family of ten boys and six girls born to Irish immigrant parents who left Ireland after the famine years, the scourge of the Emerald Isle. Father Solanus died July 31st, 1957 at age 86. Father Paul Zaborowski is pastor of St. Ambrose in Park Heights. He's one of 11 Capuchin Franciscan friars serving in the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Welcome to the show, Father Paul. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Can you tell us a little bit about Father Casey and how he received his calling, especially to the the Capuchin friars? Solanus at home was called Barney. That was his, well, Bernard was his baptismal name. Mm -hmm. He came from a large Catholic family. And did many things. He was a logger. He was a hospital orderly, a streetcar driver, and a prison guard. And eventually, he entered Saint Mary's or Saint Francis Seminary in Milwaukee. A major point in his life was he saved a young man who was drowning, and it led him to really look at his life in a different way. So in 1896, he joined the Capuchins in Detroit, taking the name Solanus after Francis Solanus, a early Franciscan missionary, and then studied, began studying for the priesthood. But he struggled in his vocation, and I think a, a lot of what he endured is really what we're celebrating now. Mm-hmm. So he had some trouble. He had some trouble with grades when he first went to school uh, in German, uh, taking classes in German. Um, and then even with the Capuchins, he he had some some difficulties there. How does that... He eventually resigned himself to God's will, though, and said, "This is if this is where I'm being called, that's where I'm going to go. How does that reflect the rest of our vocations? I mean, how do we all do this when we're struggling to answer God's call? Well, he... Um being an Irishman coming to a German province. Many of our friars experienced the same difficulty years back, that they had to learn German because the friars in the classroom spoke German. But for him to overcome all that, but I think today um, with our own selves, you know, we live in a world where everyone wants to give up quickly and turn away and walk away. And I think what Solanus teaches us most is perseverance, Mm -hmm. that even when things are difficult, you know, you continue to go on. You know, he went from one thing to another, trying to find his place, and he finally found that. He was, uh, he really didn't aspire to a high place, didn't, didn't want to do that kind of thing. But his ministry encompassed a lot of jobs that would be kind of rookie jobs for a, a priest, but he persisted at it. He dedicated his life to those simple duties. Um, 
I think what I've read is he was especially well-loved as the porter, the doorkeeper of the monastery, which is really kind of a not much of a job. But um, that's where he was sought after as a counselor. Uh, visitors came. They asked for him by name. Sick people sought his blessing. Remarkable cures began to take place. How does this simple ministry turn into something amazing? Well, as you can see by his life, his trying different professions and different ways before he finally settled, but he still continued. You know, and he struggled with the language and he struggled with um, allowing not to be remo- moving beyond a simplex priest, which meant basically he could not preach a sermon or hear confessions. Mm-hmm. And the province decided that because of his struggle with, with studies, So in that, I think he realized how God was working in his life. And at one point, he just wrote that I give myself over to my superiors and whatever they decide, that's what I'll see as the will of God. Mm -hmm. So it's that giving over and, you know, making sure that each one of us are aware that regardless of what we're doing, if we do it with God, that's most important, Mm -hmm. even if it is difficult. And even if it is not the thing that we thought we might be called to. Who knows what God has in mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He talked a lot about having an attitude of gratitude. What did he mean by that? Well, there were many things of his, you know, when you think of what he may have had as an ideal life, he realized that for whatever reasons, like, you know, for an Irishman, learning German was not an easy thing to do. But um, I think all the way through his life, Regardless of what happens, who's put into your life, whatever's going on, if you just have that attitude of gratitude that God has taken care of all of us and that all this is going to work out fine if we give ourselves over to his will. Mm-hmm. I think that's really where he was coming from with that. Yeah. He is, I believe, the second American-born man to be beatified. when he's, mm-hmm. uh, And the first was Father Stanley Rother, who was just beatified in September. It sounds like both of them came from a very similar background, hardworking, uh, not affluent uh, people of the land. Is there, a, is there a connection there? I mean, is there something about a simple, humble beginning, humble meaning the earth? You, you know, uh, is, there, is there something about that kind of beginning that begets holy people? Oh, I believe so. Not only just simple living, but faithful family life. They both had... That real wholesome faith was the center of our family. Faith was the center of our life. Stanley used the things that he learned on the farm with his father to the indigenous peoples that he ministered to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Solanus learned in the midst of 16 children. I mean, if he didn't learn Capuchin life in there. Right. <laughs> you got to learn how to share. you, you got to learn to be learn with how to others get and be with each other and have fun with each other and endure with each other. Mm-hmm. So I think... Yeah, that, that family, faithful family life is, I think, a, an important base. Yes. What's special about the charism or the characteristics of ministry of the Capuchin Franciscans that called Father Solanus? And how did that charism attract you? Well, a lot of people misunderstand our particular charism, you know, because of who we are. Certainly, we minister to the poor. We are missionaries. We're around the world in how many different nations but primarily, our Capuchin vocation is fraternity. It's how the friars living in a particular house, regardless if there's four or five or if there's 20 in a house, 
how we live with each other in fraternity should reflect the gospel life. And that's what Francis really wanted. Francis wanted that that's our primary, that's our primary vocation, is to witness to the church that people can live in Christian community according to the gospel. Secondarily, it's our ministry to the poor. We're to take things that no one else wants. And also our commitment to being mission missionary. And so when you look at that kind of charism, and then I was raised in a Capuchin parish in Pittsburgh. And so I grew up seeing our friars doing this and witnessing this. And that's what the appeal was for me. And I'm sure that's what the appeal was for Solanus. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference between some of the branches of the Franciscan order in terms of that that dedication to each other and, and to uh, to the poor? Um, no, we all interpret it in our own ways. But we as Capuchins, I think, really stress the fraternal aspect of it. Mm-hmm. That um, like we don't live on our own. Or at least we try not to be in particular circumstances, but the importance of living in community. And you hear, you know, the witness we give this neighborhood by living here in Park Heights, the four of us. Mm-hmm. Living here, sharing the plight of the people that are around us, that's typically Capuchin. That's, this is where we belong. That's what you do. That's what it's, we do. It's what you do, it's how you live. And the parishioners and the neighborhood knows us. They know that these guys are here and... They may not know the particulars of what we do, but we know they know that we are here and we are near the church. And I think that's a great witness for us here in Park Heights. Mm-hmm. And as they see you walking around in your brown robes, it's very clear that you are that you're you're not uh, somebody else from the neighborhood. You're you're no, one of our friars was just involved in a car accident just a block away, mm-hmm. and the people came here because they knew where he belonged. Oh, that's so, great. So yes. We take care of them, and they certainly take care of us. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Well, after the break, we're going to talk some more with Father Paul Zaborowski about Father Solanus Casey, who is being beatified November 18th. And we'll talk some more about the Franciscan charism and and how uh, Franciscans serve here in Baltimore and around the world. You're listening to Catholic Baltimore. Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Bishops from across the country gathered in Baltimore this week for the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops General Assembly. Cardinal Pietro Parolin, the Vatican Secretary of State, celebrated a special November 12th Mass at the Baltimore Basilica attended by the bishops. The mission of the conference is as timely now as 100 years ago when it was founded as a wise and spirit-filled response to the immense suffering and displacement caused by World War I, Cardinal Parolin said. The Church in your country seeks to bring not only material assistance, but also the spiritual bomb of healing, comfort, and hope to new waves of migrants and refugees who come knocking on America's doors, the Cardinal said. Baltimore Archbishop William E. Lorry welcomed the Cardinal to America's first cathedral, built between 1806 and 1821. The Baltimore Basilica was the first Catholic church to be constructed in the United States after the adoption of the U.S. Constitution. Throughout the week, bishops discussed a variety of topics, including immigration, racism, and pro-life concerns, acknowledging wide divisions in the country over issues such as health care, immigration reform, taxes, and abortion. The president of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops called for civility to return to the public debate. 
We are facing a time that seems more divided than ever, Cardinal Daniel DiNardo said. Divisions over health care, conscience protections, immigration and refugees, abortion, physician-assisted suicide, gender ideologies, the meaning of marriage, and all the other headlines continue to be hotly debated. But our role continues to be witnessing the gospel. During the assembly, Archbishop Joseph E. Kurtz of Louisville, Kentucky, was elected chairman of the Committee on Religious Liberty by a vote of 113 to 86. He was to assume his duties at the conclusion of the assembly. At their spring meeting in June, the bishops voted to make what was an ad hoc committee on religious liberty a permanent standing committee. Baltimore Archbishop William E. Laurie served as chairman of the committee since its creation in 2011. For more on the General Assembly, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is George Matisek. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android. And follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. The season of sacraments is nearly here. First Holy Communion, Confirmation, and Weddings. Visit the Baltimore Basilica, America's first cathedral, and stop by the gift shop for all of your gift needs. From beautiful frames to crucifixes and crosses, statues and one-of-a-kind rosaries, the Basilica Gift Shop has it all. Friendly, knowledgeable staff members can help you select the perfect gift. Also available, Baltimore's very own Mouth Party Caramels, locally designed hand-painted signs, and jewelry, plus gifts for Easter as well as an extensive line of St. Patrick's Day items sure to bring out the Irish and everyone. Visit the Basilica Gift Shop at 409 Cathedral Street in Baltimore or call 410-727-3565 for hours and directions. Free street parking available directly in front of the Basilica between 9.30 and 4 p.m. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. We're back on Catholic Baltimore talking with Father Paul Zaborowski about Father Solanus Casey, who was beatified November 18th. Baltimore Archbishop William E. Laurie will celebrate a Mass of Thanksgiving November 26th at Father Paul's Parish, St. Ambrose in Park Heights. Welcome back. Thank you. So what drove Father Solanus' special love for the sick and the poor? And how did that play out in his life and ministry? I think what uh, was tremendous about him, no matter where he was, either Yonkers or in New York or in Detroit or Milwaukee, or um, early on, one of the provincials asked him to start keeping an account of the things that began to happen. They saw something very early with him that um, wonderful things were happening, and many of them were actually documented. 
But I think the greatest gift, because again, because he was a simplex priest, there wasn't much they could do with him as far as liturgically or mm. So what he ended up doing was a lot of the work that was usually given to our lay friars, which was working at the door mm-hmm. and counseling. And so that's what he did. He was the porter. So he came in contact with endless people. But I think the, when we look at his ministry to the sick, I think primarily his greatest ministry, which really isn't looked too favorably upon today, is just simply listening to someone. A ministry of presence. Yes, and just actually sitting with someone and listening. Today, they don't even want you to call them. They want you to text them. Oh, no. (laughs) It doesn't help. But he gave an example of actually sitting with people. So in that sitting with and being with people and actually being attentive to people, he began to hear not only of their own issues, but most importantly, we carry the worries of those in our families and friends that are sick. And he was getting a lot of that, too. And through it all, he simply encouraged people to pray and to pray a lot because prayer changes things. Mm -hmm. What kind of cures, what kind of special things, wonderful things that you mentioned, what kinds of things were happening? Oh, there's accounts of a woman who was, her face was scalded and she was badly deformed. She came to the friary and sat with him and he prayed over her and instantly her face cleared. But... A child who was in a serious accident, people who had, um, I know it was a young girl of 18 months or so, that went through a transfusion and the arm became gangrenous. Oh no. And the father went pleading with him and just simply overnight, the little girl became better. And so just endless accounts of people with troubled pregnancies and people with cancer, breast tumors that disappeared. They came and pleaded with him one day, were to go into the surgery the next, and when they did the preliminary tests, they found out that the tumor was gone. So just really outstanding, miraculous things. How does the Lord choose to work through somebody like Father Solanus? I mean, it's clear we're all called to be holy, we're all called to that, but here's somebody who God decided... I'm going to be. I'm going to use this person as a as a as a vehicle for healing and comfort. How does that happen? I I really do think from the example of the Blessed Virgin, a simple girl, simply living her faith in a humble home. You know, there's there, we fill ourselves with distraction, and God can't work it with all that distraction. Well, God can work. We just don't allow God to work because mm-hmm. we are so distracted by this and that. But I think if we really work hard and as, as a Capuchin, as a Franciscan, to remove that clutter from our minds and our hearts and live, you know, most saints just lived a very simple faith profoundly. And so if you can remove that in your life that's hindering God working. I think it really do miraculous things will happen if they're done in faith. But we do. We just fill ourselves and our heads and our busyness of our days with things that at the end of the day, you wonder, why did I invest so much time in that? Because it really wasn't worth it. (laughs) It really wasn't worth it. Yeah. And certainly didn't move toward the greater glory of God. No, no, no. And And it, you know, I tell the folks here, it's habitual, you know, once you do it a few days, you realize this is actually working and it becomes a habit. And you begin to, where am I going to put my energy today? 
mm-hmm. and what's important and what isn't important yeah. in the eyes of God. And you'll begin to realize that you're removing a lot of that crazy out of your life that doesn't need to be there and, and allows God to act. Is that what makes Father Solanus' example so important today? Oh, yes, I, I do. I think his example to us of just, first of all, just starting in our homes, simplicity of faith, simplicity of life, paying attention to one another, listening to one another, just enjoying. There were 16 children in his family. Yeah, 10 in mine. So it was, it was, yes, there were five it's a, it's, in mine. It's, it's a busy we were small. Way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, just how we structure our lives, how we live our lives of faith, it always has to be with simplicity. Mm-hmm. And beatification is important because it says this person is to be not revered necessarily, but, but to be venerated in a special way because of their holiness. Why does, does that then, why is that a good thing for us as Catholics to know that Father Solanus is blessed? I think as Americans, you know, we had Mother Seton and John Newman and, you know, Catherine Drexel and Kateri and so many others. I think it's, and lately Stanley, mm-hmm. I think it gives us hope that the Catholic Church in the United States has arrived. Mm-hmm. You know, we are producing holiness. We are holy people. This nation is no different than any other. That if we remain faithful, we do what asks, you know, God asks. All of us have that possibility, and I think that's his greatest gift. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the midst of Detroit that's struggling so much. Yes. And then this man would be raised up there. 60,000 people, I believe, are to gather in the stadium. So yeah. it's wonderful. That's amazing. Uh, is there a special prayer to invoke the intercession of, of Father Solanus? Because uh, the next step toward canonization is to have another certified miracle. So is there a prayer to invoke his, his intercession? Yes. A lot of people, if you simply go online and Google the Solanus Casey Guild mm-hmm. in Detroit, they have a lot of resources right online. But um, the prayer that we've been given now for, we prayed for his beatification, now his canonization. We pray, O God, I adore you. I give myself to you. May I be the person you want me to be, and may your will be done in my life today. I thank you for the gifts you gave to Father Solanus. If it is your will, bless us with the canonization of Father Solanus, so that others may imitate and carry on his love for all the poor and suffering of our world. As he joyfully accepted your divine plans, I ask you, according to your will, to hear my prayer and answer it. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Blessed be God in all his holy designs. Amen. Amen. That's beautiful. Can you remind uh, folks of the details of the upcoming Mass, November 26th at the parish? Yes, as we mentioned, Archbishop Laurie is blessing us with his presence on the 26th at 10 a.m. here at St. Ambrose. That's 4502 Park Heights Avenue. That's good. In Baltimore. And the Archbishop will be presiding and preaching. Some of our friars are coming, too, from Washington, D.C. and some and some places elsewhere. But our gospel choir and our ministries are planning a wonderful celebration. One of our youth in the parish, Gerald Brown, is actually doing a, a one-man dramatization of the life of Solanus. Oh, that's great. So he's going to stand up there and take the person of Solanus. So we have a wonderful celebration, so please come and join us. If We have plenty of parking in our schoolyard, which if you come up, 
Reisterstown and turn onto Royce. Royce Avenue will take you right into the lot. Okay, very good. And so we'll have a lot of secure parking so people can come out and join us and celebrate. And what time is that? Is that the Mass is at 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock, Sunday, November 26th. Sunday, 26th. November 26th, right after Thanksgiving. All right, very good. Well, we've been talking today with Father Paul Zaborowski about Father Solanus Casey, who was beatified November 18th. Thank you so much for being with us today and for praying with us for uh, Father Solanus's intercession. You're most welcome. Thanks. This is Christopher Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Baltimore. Fifteen years after the Catholic bishops of the United States drafted mandatory policies for protecting children and holding abusers accountable in the Catholic Church, the Archdiocese of Baltimore is conducting a prayer and education campaign this fall. It will remind its institutions and its people of the priority and importance of child protection. For more information about this initiative and about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator, who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.